Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, June 15th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Mercedes shares with us the details of her conversation with the Executive Director of the Canadian Race Relations Foundation on what needs to be done now to avoid future deadly incidents like we witnessed last week in London, Ontario. Are you stressed about having to return back to the office for work? We get some tips on how to make the transition a little easier from behavior change expert, Dr. Lisa Belanger. It'll look a little different this year, but the music will go on. We speak with Carrie Clark, Artistic Director of the Calgary Folk Fest, for details on this year's Summer Serenades event taking place at Princes Island Park in July. And finally, it's a big week for gamers. The annual Electronics Entertainment Expo is in full swing. We get the scoop on this massive event from the gadget guy, Mike Yanni. It is time, as we do each Tuesday morning, to check in with Mercedes Stevenson, host of the West Block and Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief. On this week's episode of the West Block, Mercedes chatted with the Executive Director of Canadian Race Relations Foundation about that horrific London, Ontario attack that killed four members of a Muslim family. We say good morning to you, Mercedes. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so, I mean, it's just a horrific story. I think everyone across the country was shocked. What What did your guest have to say about the attack? It was really interesting. We talked about the increasing numbers. People um, often will say to me on social media, oh, well, you're just saying it's increasing numbers. You don't know that. Uh, we do know that. We actually we have the statistics that shows this is getting worse, and it's getting much worse. Uh, so to give you an example, um, there has been such a substantial increase in anti-Semitic attacks uh, tracked by the neighborhood Canada that they had more incidences in May of 2021 than in all of 2020 combined. Mm. Um, and and these are, you know, a variety of groups, um, minority groups that are being attacked in our community. Um, and so we talked to Mohammed Hashem, who is the executive director, as you mentioned, from the Canadian Relations, uh, Race Relations Foundation, pardon me, and he said that this is really coming from, he thinks, two places. Number one, a place of fear. And that when people are afraid, uh, some people will manifest that as hate and as violence. And that he thinks this is really being driven by online hate. That it's very easy to end up on one of these hateful propaganda websites. And he gave the example that you can be looking for information about where to get your vaccine. And literally three clicks later, um, you're getting racist propaganda that is not clearly labeled as such. It's presented subtly and as truth. It's very manipulative. Um, and that he was really worried that some people who might be vulnerable to that can be lured into it. So he wants more to be done about online hate because he thinks that's a big source of the polarization and, and why things are getting worse. Wow. So the, the online hate is the way that's what the executive is number one, you know, a suggestion to prevent this moving forward, because I know that uh, we're all looking for some solutions. Yeah, that's that's really his number one one. He said also, you know, we all have uh, the family member who sends you something and you kind of roll your eyes. And it's not necessarily always overtly racist. It can be, but sometimes it has those tones. And he talked about the importance of, you know, gently confronting that with somebody and, and saying, look, this is not acceptable because of 
this. Uh, not everyone, you know, understands that or perhaps has had um, the opportunity to learn that. So he really encouraged people to talk to each other, to have a conversation about it, and that can really help too. But he does think that online hate is very much um, what is actually driving this and how well it has been veiled nowadays and how accessible it's become mm-hmm. and how predominant it's become. Mercedes, you had another guest on who made a pretty big statement about when the Canada-U.S. border might reopen. Who were you speaking with and what did they say about that? Congressman Brian Higgins. He is uh, from New York State. He is one of the northern governors and he is uh, the chair of the basically Canada-U.S. interparliamentary group and the Northern Caucus of Governors. He's a Democrat, so he's got an in with the White House. And he says that President Joe Biden told him he wants the border open for July 4th. Uh, will that happen, of course, is the big question. But uh, that was interesting because it's the first time I've heard a date. And he says that that is what he is hearing from the president and from the White House. Mm. Wow. Okay, well, we'll switch gears and talk about maybe changing some carpet in the House of Commons because it got a lot of wear and tear <laughs> this past week with uh, people crossing the floor. Tough week for the Green Party. Let's, let's talk about the conversation you had with Green Party leader Anna Mae Paul. Yeah, very tough week for the Greens. Um, they're a small, small party, a small caucus, which means that losing one MP, Jenica Atwin, to the Liberals was a third of their caucus. And then you have the remaining two MPs, um, signed this letter that basically says that the leader caused this and that this is over the Israel-Palestine issue, which has been very divisive, not only in Canada, but in politics and inside parties. And um, it, it looks like you basically have almost a mutiny on your hands at that point. So can enemy Paul hold on as the leader? We wanted to ask her that question. She seems convinced she can. She did acknowledge there was essentially you know, a mutiny happening. She said it happens from time to time that she wants to do the job that the party members elected her to, but it's tough to do the job that party members elected you to if the elected MPs who are in your caucus and you don't have a seat uh, aren't listening to you and are very publicly turning against you. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there, but if the Green Party can't get their act together and get on the same page here, um, they're going to have a serious issue. And beyond that, there's also concerns. um, When Enemy Paul was running, we did a story about the amount of racism and anti-Semitism she faced. And it was substantial. She is the first black Jewish woman to lead a political party. Um, And so there's some concerns, too, about what is driving all of this. And that's not to say that that's what's necessarily driving her MPs at all and to make that link. But given that, uh, you know, this Israel-Palestine issue and and her leadership has sort of spilled out into the open, um, that is also raising questions about what's happening inside the Green Party and sort of how enemy Paul is being treated and why some people might be treating her that way and and real concerns about anti-Semitism in the Green Party. Uh, switch gears altogether now. Let's go back to the uh, military, Canadian military, because this is a story that, well, you've been on since you broke the news about what was going on in the Canadian military. And now a couple of interesting stories have popped up. The first one we'll talk about is, you know, some of these senior military leaders going golfing with Jonathan Vance, who was, yeah. you know, this one just kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? It blew my mind. And I think a lot of people looked at it, though, and went, well, it's a golf game. So what? Um, so here's your so what? Uh, Mike Rulo, who was the vice chief of the defense staff until he resigned yesterday from that position, uh, is the second command of the Canadian Armed Forces. Guess who reports to him? Uh, guess who he oversees? The military police. So if you're out golfing with someone under military police investigation and you oversee them, 
obviously <laughs> uh, potential conflict there. Uh, the other guy was the head of the Navy, um, and Heather McDonald, one of the most prominent victims, or alleged victims, I should say, of um, Admiral Art McDonald, who is being investigated for sexual mis- conduct and sexual assault. Um, She's in the Navy. Uh, You have him going out and giving speeches at town halls about how important it is to crack down on sexual misconduct, yet golfing with someone who has been accused of it. They've all kind of said, look, this was a buddy. Um, Baines was quite quick to sort of accept that this had not been the right decision, although he had this sort of weird apology in which he said that he displayed, it was a public display of support for Vance. Uh, when we pressed him on that, he apologized for the apology. Uh, Rulo would not apologize until yesterday. I'm told by sources inside the government he did not think he needed to. Um, that did not help his fate. Uh, and ultimately, he resigned from the post. He's on an indefinite medical leave from the Canadian Forces, and he will be discharged. Uh, he did say yesterday, you know, he essentially regretted how people felt, but that he was checking on, on a colleague's mental health. Mercedes, we have to take a quick break. Uh, can you hang on for two minutes with us? Or you- sure. Perfect. Okay, great. More with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, coming up in one minute. More with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. And you know it's been a year for the Canadian military, Mercedes, when we're carrying you over into another segment. Uh, part two of, of happenings over the past couple of days here. Major General Danny Fortin, he's filing a federal court challenge over his firing. Uh, what is his issue here? So pretty astounding. I had a chance to actually read the court documents last night, um, and he is alleging political interference in the military chain of command by the Prime Minister, by the Clerk of the Privy Council, who's Canada's top bureaucrat, um, and by the Minister of Health, Patty Haidu, and the Minister of National Defence, Harjit Sajjan. Um, so this is pretty astounding. Um, he, of course, had to step aside, and at the time it appeared he had volunteered to do that, um, he now says that's not the case, that his hand was forced, it was presented to him as a fait accompli, that he never had a chance to defend himself against a historic sexual misconduct allegation. Um, nowhere in these papers does it spell out what that allegation is, but it does make subtle references to there not being context uh, to the fact that he was not really told what the, what the allegation was for quite some time, um, and also saying that it was over 30 years ago. Uh, we know that CTV News reported that he exposed himself before a woman with that wording we're not really super clear on what happened um i wouldn't want to report rumors we've heard all kinds of things about this mm-hmm. um i'm not surprised danny Fortin is the one to instigate legal action because based on what my sources have told me one he felt he was treated very unfairly and two he potentially has the least to lose uh, at Discovery, according to three of the sources I've spoken to on what this alleged historic allegation is. Um, so it will be very interesting to see what happens, but certainly the allegation of political interference and basically taking the choice away from the acting chief of the defense staff, who in, in the military, you know, it's not up to the politicians who serves and what roles other than the CDS. CDS is completely a political decision, and you serve at the pleasure of the Prime Minister. But the CDS is supposed to control all the other places in the military, and essentially um, this legal challenge is alleging that that didn't happen. Um, and that obviously raises questions, too, about whether the, CDS, the, the acting CDS has control of the situation. And, of course, for a lot of folks, it's a flashback to SNC-Lavalin, mm-hmm. the allegations of political interference in something that is not supposed to be political. 
it is a mess, isn't it? I mean, we only have a couple of seconds. Is, is this, I mean, is this the downfall of the Canadian military? or does it, oh. Are they able to squeak out of this? What happens next? You know, they, they have to sort out the senior ranks. That's really where we've seen the problems throughout this. Um, it will take a long time. It will not be overnight. Um, and what I've been told too quickly is just that basically they're prepared for a lot of historic allegations to come forward as people now feel they can speak. Yeah. What is very difficult to deal with is people making decisions in the now like the generals did to go golfing and having to run around and put those fires out too. Uh, But I think the troops, from what I hear from them, want the military to get its act together. I think Canadians want that. They respect and love the military, but there are some serious issues that have to actually be taken seriously because if you're going golfing with someone engaged uh, allegedly in sexual misconduct, um, that kind of says a lot about how seriously you're taking the situation. So true. Oh, thank you. We could talk to you forever on this. There's so much to it. Thank you so much, Mercedes. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, guys. Have thank a great day. You too. That is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. The lift of the mandatory work from home order and return to pre-pandemic workplaces is just around the corner. How are you feeling about this? Are you stressed out? Well, we've got some help. Joining us now is Dr. Lisa Belanger. Good morning to you, doctor. Good morning. Well, you helped to break it down into a few simple points. And I know that it's hard to, to kind of simplify something like this when people might have real fears. What, are, what have you heard, you know, from people within your circle and, and perhaps your patients? Are, do people have a lot of trepidation? Uh, Yes. Well, we've been asked to do something to avoid people, to avoid gathering for well over a year now. So to quickly switch back into a lot of social interactions, that's a huge change. So, of course, it invokes some stress and anxiety. So we do need to really look at this and, and work towards that date, whatever it might be, but start now to plan. That's your first step, correct? Yeah, think through your day, like what will make you comfortable? Where are you going to eat? What do you need to clean? What are the expectations you have? Because everybody's comfort level is slightly different. So being able to plan and think through will help ease some of that anxiety. Right. Now let's talk about, you know, our our physical and mental health. I think we want to have our A game and we might not have had our A game, Dr. Belanger, over the past several months. But let's talk about boosting our physical and mental health. What can we do there? So we, we've been told over the last several months to be doing, you know, physical activity, mindfulness, and these health behaviors that certainly help us from a physical standpoint, but they have such a strong mental component. So when we're going into a period of rapid change, we know this is going to accelerate some sort of stress level, even if it is positive. And being able to take care of your body and your mind puts you in the best position to, to handle that stress and to cope. Um, and so being able to get these and integrate these into your life now for whenever that return to work is. And I would imagine, you know, even though someone might have worked at the same office or job for many, many years, being off for a year and a half and returning, there's got to be a sense of the unknown. So is it important that we ask some questions and and really make sure that we are comfortable with exactly what we're walking into? Is that a big deal? Absolutely. So for both the employee and the employer, having transparency in your communication, over-communicate. I hope that's something that comes from COVID. Don't make those assumptions. Think through um, what you need as an employee to come back. Ask the questions to your leader, manager, HR. Um, get some clarity in on expectations. Uh, get that knowledge in. And then for the company, make sure that you're repeating and over-communicating what people are walking into. This will really help with that 
sensation of unknown. And for many companies, they've rethought how the office environment looks or cleaning protocols or whatever this is. Make sure you're telling people about it. Dr. Belanger, those are some great tips. And again, this is something we're going to work up to because you, I don't think you can flip the switch on a Sunday night and go back on Monday <laughs> if, if you do you know, have a little bit of anxiety surrounding it. But I'm wondering, at what point should we seek professional help as an individual when it's not just a few jitters about doing something you've not done for a year or so? What, at what point should we talk to a professional? When it starts uh, affecting your ability to function in your day-to-day, if you are starting to get lots of rumination or thoughts about um, the anxiety of coming back to work or what that looks like or how you're going to deal with it all, because, I mean, we've been talking at kind of a simplistic form, but, you know, for pe- some people, it's managing childcare that they didn't have the same issues before and after uh, the pandemic or whatever your life situation is. If it starts interrupting your everyday functioning, go see some help. You know, it's funny, we just got a text in uh, saying, oh, you guys, what wonderful timing. We literally have a conference call this morning about returning to the office. So (laughs) this is starting now. It's something we need to think about. You need to ask maybe, you know, will the company be providing bleach wipes? Can you wear your sweatpants to work? Maybe things like that. (laughs) All those little things, but uh, no detail too small, right, doctor? Uh, absolutely, and I'm wondering how black stretchy pants are going to be incorporated into <laughs> this year's fashion. Um, but having these really, like, these are conversations we need to and should be having. Uh, it's it's been such a year of change and rapid change. So be being able to lay the groundwork for knowing knowledge having the open conversations um, are so important and then another suggestion for companies is there a place that people can be anonymous in their questions and suggestions if possible create that open that door of anonymity to be able to have Mm -hmm. more honest conversations great conversation and super timely thanks for your time this morning thank you so much that is Dr. Lisa Belanger behavior change expert she's online at drlisabelanger.com The Calgary Folk Music Festival will be presenting a Summer Serenades event in July. With all the details, we are joined by Carrie Clark, Folk Fest Artistic Director. Good morning to you, Carrie. Good morning. Well, let's talk about this. Is this uh, a a different name about the same folk festival we can expect? What's going to be different here? A lot of things. One is it's just going to be programming on the main stage as opposed to our usual seven or eight stages. Um, We won't have a beer garden. We won't have a family area. Um, And so sort of a lot of the other attractions on the site won't be there. It's very much a concert series on the main stage. Uh, And still in a beautiful setting, still very diverse music from all across Canada. But just more... It's just more limited. You you know, you'll be you'll mostly be um, located on in your own kind of zone and on your own plot um, with your party, and uh, you can you know can get up sure and, and get some drinks and some food and go to facilities. But then you're going to be focused back on your home plot. So kind of how we saw last summer, I remember, I think it was a park in Toronto started it. We did it here at some of the parks too, where they've you know kind of drawn circles on the ground and you stay in your own little bubble area, right? Pretty much like, sort of that. like that. Yes, exactly. Or being at a restaurant, like you're, you know, you're at your table, you're enjoying yourself. Sure. Uh, you put your mask on when you go to go to the bathroom, then you go back to your table, enjoy yourself. So yeah, it's things that we've seen before for sure. So we got the dates, the 26th through the 28th. Uh, do we get tickets uh, in 22nd advance? 22nd through 28th. 22nd. I'm sorry, 22nd through the 28th. Uh, do we go to CalgaryFolkFest.com and get full tickets? Can we get packages? 
Yes, you can. Um, we were putting tickets on sale on Friday. We wanted to give people a little bit of time to kind of get their parties together, their cohorts, and figure out where they wanted to sit because we're selling tickets in groups, essentially, because we're selling the plots. So okay. those plots will fit four to six people, depending on if it's kids and adults. And so you will purchase in different zones, so it is tiered. So the closer to the stage, it's a little bit higher price. Makes sense. So many smiles. Love it. That's awesome news. Yeah, great news there. We're going to direct people once again. CalgaryFolkFest.com. Thanks so much, Carrie. Okay, thank you. That is FolkFest Artistic Director Carrie Clark. It is a big week for gamers. The annual Electronics Entertainment Expo is taking place. It's one of the world's largest video game expos. And it normally takes place in Los Angeles, but this year, of course, has gone online. Well, the gadget guy, Mike Yanni, would normally be there, but instead he's following all the announcement and, and joins us this morning to talk about games and what gamers can look forward to. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, good morning. Gaming is so big, you guys. It's, it's huge. I got to admit, it's not my jam, but I love hearing what is out there and what people are into. Let's So let's talk about it for others. I mean, it's a huge industry, isn't it? It is. I mean, last year, to put this into perspective, uh, it came close to exceeding the amount of money that was brought in by Hollywood, by movies and sports combined. Ooh. We're talking about a $160 billion industry worldwide last year alone. And this isn't just kids. I mean, we're finding that the age group between 35 and 54-year-olds are playing the most games. That's where we're seeing the most growth. Because you have to remember, a gamer is not just somebody who's playing at home on an Xbox or a PlayStation. Think about Facebook, all the little games you can play on Facebook, or the apps on your phone. If you spend time on that, you know what? You might not want to admit it, but you're a gamer now. (laughs) (laughs) You're in the category, whether you like it or not. Well, I know that you love to to follow these events, and again, generally in person, but you're a real trend hunter. So uh, these are the early signs of what we can expect. What do you see for these trends, Mike? Well, one of the big trends we're seeing is the game streaming services. It's becoming really big. So this is almost like Netflix-style service for gamers. So on your Xbox, uh, we have Xbox Game Pass. It's been around for a couple of years, but it's really, really picking up steam. And this is really brilliant. So you pay a monthly fee, and then all of a sudden you get access to hundreds of games on your console that you don't have to individually pay for. But Xbox is starting to give their their biggest games that would cost $80, $90 on launch day, all of a sudden included in that service. So you're not paying for that on those big days. You're not waiting and lining up at a store to get your hands on it. You get it automatically. PlayStation is doing something very similar, not quite to the the same uh, extent, but their service is growing. But I think the biggest trend we're starting to see now is the fact you don't even need an actual console anymore. Mm. So cloud gaming is taking off. So companies like Xbox, they're building Xbox apps they've announced into some of your smart TVs in the upcoming year. So you can turn on the TV, just like Netflix, launch the app, and if you have an Xbox controller... You're playing it through the cloud. You don't have to buy a system that could be eight, $900. That is smart. Okay, so, and I understand, I know when we talked to you last time, you were kind of touching on that. What's old is new again. So is there more of that happening at this expo? Is there ever. Can you imagine a new Atari console launching today? Launching today, we're talking about updated classics like Missile Command and Pong. And I'm, I'm sure that brings back some memories, and I know kind of dating ourselves here, but... You know, they're putting it on uh, another level. They're updating the graphics. They've added a story to Pong. How bizarre is that? You know, two paddles on the screen, and all of a sudden they've made a story out of it. 
not sure how that's going to work. Uh, but yeah, they're they're bringing new games into the fold. They're focusing on high end graphics. But in television, you remember in television? We had that. That's the one I had. I was upset because everybody had ColecoVision or Atari, and there I was with Intellivision. I had ColecoVision. Yeah, but in television, brand new console coming out. It's expected this year. They're calling it the Amico. And this is kind of interesting because a lot of the consoles that go for the, you know, the high-end graphics and the online gaming, they're doing something different. They're saying that this is a, a new twist on the classic console. They're, it's a family console is what they're saying. Not focusing on online games. They want you to play with friends and your family in your house. So you have to be in the same room, not focusing on graphics, but focusing on fun and simple games. And I think the biggest selling feature here is they're saying all their games are going to be around $13 or under. Awesome. Some cool stuff coming out of this expo. You can get more with Mike Yanni, the Gadget Guy, at Gadget Guy Mike on Insta and on YouTube. Find his channel by searching Gadget Guy Mike Yanni. I was a gamer in the Pong days, Mike, so I, I get I what you're it. saying now. I understand it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Thanks for joining guys. us. Appreciate it. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to more Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.